not to be the worst, but like this whole thing just made me think about the time recently that I slipped in the shower and I fell so hard. You mean when we were in Toronto? Yes. <laughs> it was an hour before our live show in Toronto. And I thought I my life flashed before my eyes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's I had to relive it every every minute of watching this this documentary. Because once again, it's all about you. <laughs> That's what you think of. Oh, God. Someone was brutally murdered in the shower. Remember that time I slipped once, but everything was fine? Let's just make it all about that. Yep. Jillian Pensavale. Patrick Hines. Girl, just a reminder to the fam, mm. on the Patreon, you guys, at the $5 level, let's just say it, at least 100 full bonus episodes. I mean, at this point. Right? <laughs> so you get them all right this second. Yeah. The second you sign up at the $5 level, you get like a month's worth of listening. Right. Like your phone probably can't hold them all. It's true. <laughs> but that's where we do our episode by episode stuff, right? So right. it's like Serial, Madeline McCann. The Jinx. Lorena. Making a Murderer, all 20 episodes. All 20 episodes. OJ, Made in America. Mm-hmm. Casey, Casey Anthony. Anthony. Remember we screamed about that one for four oh, episodes? That bitch. I <laughs> so you guys go to patreon.com slash obsessed. You can see everything there. You go to our website, click on the Patreon link. Yeah. Join the pates. Don't join the pates. You do you. Yeah, we have something for everybody. And if you don't even want the option, that's okay too. Yeah, we've got nothing for everybody too. <laughs> yeah. It's it's all up to you. Yeah. You can walk into the party. You cannot. It's fine. Or not. We love you. Whatever. 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 Merry Christmas. You can go with God. Do what you want to do. <laughs> Girl, our part two covering most of part two uh-huh. and all of part three right. of this uh, Jodi Arias thing. Mm-hmm. So let's give the people a refresher. Previously so- on Jodi Arias. <laughs> Um, she, she is playing the hot girl card every chance she gets. Yeah, she was dating this guy, Travis. Travis wound up dead. Her timeline of where she was during the time of his murder was murky to the point where the cops were just like, girl, we know you did this. Right. So go listen to everything else because she there's like singing involved. She does headstands. Like, she, it's super crazy. Who in Travis Alexander's life was to kill him in such a brutal way? I remember dropping the knife and it claimed to the tile. It made a big noise. It was so brutal and so disgusting. This girl just butchered one of my best friends. How can you live in a house with a dead body and not know something's amiss? Travis lured Jody into all this kinky sex. The amount of evidence became mind-boggling. She had planned killing Travis Alexander before she actually killed him. Jody was Travis's dirty little secret. So when we last left her, she was about to tell us this story of, quote, what really happened. Right. Remember, she's denied, deny. I wasn't there. I had nothing to do with it. Oh, then for days. All of a sudden, oh, wait, I actually was there because you have the sexy pictures of me and him. And in the, the shower. bloody handprint of yeah. my <laughs> DNA and all that stuff. Right. <laughs> so they're like, all right, sweetheart, uh-huh. what happened? And she's like, well, there were these masked uh, intruders, actually. Yeah. They came in and they killed him. There were two people there. One was a guy and one was a girl. They were white Americans, from what I could tell. They had, um, call those things. They were like beanies, but they cover your whole face. And you've got like holes for your nose and your mouth. 
She couldn't remember the word for ski mask. Yeah, she had no idea. She She's could, like that she, thing where the, they cover the face the with the eye holes. <laughs> and the cop's like a ski mask. And she breaks it down for us where she says that like she's taking these like sexy pictures of him in the shower. All of a sudden, like the door bursts open. Mm-hmm. These people come in. A she, one man, one woman. One man, one woman. She says she makes a break for it like a bitch. <laughs> I chickened out like a little bitch. I chickened out like a little bitch, is what I, she said. All I can say in my notes, is I was like, you guys, it's okay to run. In fact, that's the right thing to do. Right, but she didn't, clearly, right. which is none why of this she's happened. saying this. Right. So she ran into the closet, uh-huh. and the man of the duo threatened to kill her. So then she says that the two masked intruders, this man and woman, start fighting amongst themselves. <laughs> If they should kill Jody Arias or not, right. while Travis is like lathering up in the shower, uh-huh. like she's not mentioning where Travis is, but these two are bickering about Jody Arias apparently. They had an argument back and forth, and she wanted to kill me, and he didn't. Like you need to do that. Shut up. It's not over here. Things like that. The girl really wants to kill her, but the guy is like, "That's not what we're here for." Because, like, of course, Jody's like, "Because look at me." Right, 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 right. Whatever. So and Detective Esteban's like, "What? Well, girl, what were they there for, then, girl?" But yeah, because she's like, "Well, they said they can't kill me because it's not what they were there for." Right. Then she's like, "Look, here are my injuries from the big ordeal. Right. This is when it gets ridiculous." <laughs> oh, this is when it gets ridiculous. Well, it, it continues to get ridiculous. Thank you. The ridiculousness escalates. Right. Because remember how she had all those cuts on her hand? Uh huh. So now this is like months later. So she's like, "I have." Injuries from when I fought them off. Right. Oh, she like gets into a knife fight with the girl one. Allegedly. Right. <laughs> so Detective Flores is like, all right, I'll play along. Let's see it. Uh-huh. So she's like, do you see this? Like, just come closer. Do you see this on my finger? It's this teeny <laughs> tiny scratch. And he's like, where? My finger isn't the same though. I was. Which, where's, where did it get cut? It was, conveniently, it was right on the crease. Is this one here? He's like, where? Like, I can't see it. And she's like, well, conveniently, it's like right on the crease of my finger. But it's like right there. You guys, There's nothing there. You can't see it. There's absolutely nothing there. But the best is that Detective Esteban is like, so you're saying like they let you go. And she says they took her registration. Basically, like the, the piece of paper for the driving that, yeah, has, yeah. Your, that has your like, like license and registration. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they have her address. And they, like, if you call the police, we're going to come and find you and kill your family. Yeah, like they threaten her and her family. So she runs out of the house into the night and drives as fast as she can to Salt Lake City. And they're like, uh, so you didn't call the cops or run to the neighbors or get help in any way? But the Detective Esteban is, is still sort of playing along. He's like, girl, why didn't you like go to the, the police or something, girl? And she's like, because they threatened me. I was just like, I was just like so freaked out, like out of my mind. <laughs> so you want to talk about then- it like over some cocktails. Right. And so Detective Esteban legitimately leans in like he's leaning in for a kiss Mm -hmm. and says, bitch. I've done this for a long time. And this is the most far-fetched story I've ever heard. And it's not going to help you. Is that how you want to leave this? Yeah, he's like, that's a great story. It's not true. Right. (laughs) We both know it's not true. (laughs) And they're called ski masks. They're called ski masks, you idiot. Please don't make up a story where there's like a home invasion where people are wearing ski masks and not know that they're called ski masks. Right. So remember Juan Martinez? He's the deputy county attorney. He was on the the scene. Yeah. The murder scene. Yeah. So he shows up and apparently, according to Jane Velez Mitchell, he's a badass prosecutor. So he's the guy that's going to be prosecuting the case. And we get this round table from all of our talking heads about how like... In stature, Juan is a small gentleman. 
but when it comes to questioning witnesses, he is a giant. Did you said it was Shakespeare, and before, what's that quote? It's yeah. like, though she be but little, she is fierce. Like, oh, that's him. Oh, or whatever yeah, that I've quote never is. heard that one before. Oh, a bunch of girls think it's cute to have it tattooed on them. So then Jane Velez Mitchell, or whatever, says one of the most ridiculous things that's ever been said with a straight face. It's really, In really one of true. these documentaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is all about making killers face justice and locking them up and throwing away the key. He does not accept plea bargains. Like, hell to the no. Oh, hell to the no. Jane, Jane Mitchell. stop it. Right. <laughs> so while investigating, Juan finds something to prove that it was premeditated murder. And this is sort of like a little bit of a spoiler. Like, yeah. we don't know what it is exactly. Uh-huh. And, and Jane is just like, Juan Martinez made no bones about it. He wanted to see Jody Arias die for what she did to Travis Alexander. He wanted to see Jody Arias die <laughs> for what she did to Travis Alexander. Because Juan super wants the death penalty. Yeah, and so the whole thing is, in order to get the death penalty, he has to prove premeditation. That's a pretty high bar. Now, premeditation could be weeks and months of planning, but it could also be just a couple of minutes. So was this premeditated or was it like a heat of passion, spur of the moment, fight? So, like, our personal opinions about the death penalty aside, yeah. it makes the case even harder to win. Right. Because, for the most part, the jury's going to be like, oh, the death penalty? And we'll get there. This no. does not have, like, a simple ending. No, it doesn't. So this becomes a national news story because she's a hot girl. Right. So we get this woman, Beth Karras, who's with us. She's one of the talking heads. She literally came looking like Marilyn Monroe. She's she, wearing this ridiculous red dress. She looks like a 40s film noir actress. Yeah, and she looks fine. But, like... <laughs> a little overdressed. I was just kidding. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know when they say like it's better to be overdressed than underdressed? Uh-huh. Not on like an ID series about totally. Jody Arias. She looks like she just came from like a fancy lawyer's office Christmas cocktail party. Like she just popped in. Let me just do this Jody Arias thing real quick. I'll meet you at the after party. That's bad. And she did that thing where she like bent over and like rubbed her hair a lot so it would get and some then volume. Just, like, judged it. And then judged it. And then did the, let me just check my lipstick. Anything on my teeth? No, let's do this. Just quick. Just keep it going. One take, Beth. That's what they call me. Let's go. <laughs> So she's with us a lot because she's a legal analyst. Yeah, and she's, and she's like, bitch, come on. She's telling us that one of the reasons why this story got like such crazy national attention is because whenever a woman is facing the death penalty, Americans super care about that for some reason. Arius's mugshot is one for the history books. It's a glamour shot almost. Anytime a beautiful woman is facing the death penalty, it seems to capture the nation's attention. Yeah, and it's weird how society is, if I may, just pontificate please, on girl, this. Please. Like sometimes when the women are attractive, we super care. Uh-huh. In a good way. And then sometimes when they're attractive, we super want to tear them down. Uh-huh. Like Amanda Knox a little too pretty. Uh-huh. Like they just wanted to like tear the beautiful women down. Uh -huh. And then sometimes they're just like, well, she's too pretty to be a murderer. Uh-huh. Like it's weird how we treat women. I actually hate how we treat women. <laughs> this is not the first time this has come up. It's true. So anyway, so Jodi Arias is loving the attention. Yeah. She goes on every camera that'll have her. One she, of which is Inside Edition. She wants to go on Inside Edition. And it's so weird. Like she's in jail. And I don't know where this interview is taking place. I'm always freaked out when people who are in jail are doing interviews and they're like in street clothes. Mm -hmm. Why are they made to wear their jail clothes? Sometimes they are if, if you're, you're not Avery. a pretty white woman. Exactly. So she's sitting there in this interview and the interviewer is like, so are you sure you didn't kill him? What really happened in there? In a nutshell, two people took Travis's life. 
two monsters. You did not shoot Travis. No, I've never even shot a real gun. You did not stab him 27 I've never, times. Ne- that, that's heinous. Or I've never. slit his throat from ear to ear. I can't imagine slitting anyone's throat. She's sticking sure you- with this two invader story. I know. And the guy's like, are you sure you didn't like slit his neck from ear to ear? Are you sure you didn't stab him 27 times? She's like, no. Or nope. shoot him in the head. Uh-huh. She's like, nope, I absolutely didn't do it. And then she says the thing. No jury is going to convict me. Why not? Because I'm innocent, and you can mark my words on that one. No jury will convict me. You can mark my words on that one. (laughs) She's breathless Mahoney all of a sudden. I love it. Even Juan Martinez is like, she was throwing down. She's throwing down the gauntlet, and she's also a defense attorney's worst nightmare because she will not shut up. Yeah. She couldn't stay away from the media. She's basically holding press conferences in the jail. Every camera that's like, Jody, do you want to go on this like public access show that only six people are going to see? Absolutely. I know. And once again, we find ourselves on the same side as Garbage Nancy Grace. Because Garbage Look, I Nancy hate Grace. When that happens. I know. Garbage Nancy Grace becomes fully unhinged on national TV. She's like watching Jody Arias getting ready for this interview. Because she's basically holding press conferences yeah. from her jail cell. Yeah. And she's coming across as this like soft spoken, nice flirty girl. And Nancy Grace says Every time that she is asked a question, she's got this. Oh, there she is putting on makeup. I'm so glad I saw that. Got to get your makeup straight before you're asked questions about your lover's murder. She's like in the middle of screaming about it. And she notices like out of the corner of her eye, like what Jodi Arias is doing, which is touching (laughs) up her face. Uh Also, how does she have like a little powder compact in prison? I know. Unbelievable the privilege. So Nancy's like, oh yeah, put on more makeup before you're asked questions about your lover's murder. (laughs) And I'm like... The more I agree with her, the more it makes me crazy. But she's right. She's totally right. But I could literally sit here and watch you do Nancy Grace all day long. The way she's like, like she, as it's coming, she's I like, know. murder, hello. You're like, I don't even think Jodi Arias really gets the weight of what's going to happen. Because no, yeah. she's talked and flirted her way out of everything her entire life. Yeah. And she thinks she can just do it again. She's kind of in this weird bubble where yeah. everyone gives a fuck about what she's saying. And she's like, I think I might totally be able to get off for this, you guys. It's so weird. So then we meet the defense attorney who's like assigned to her case. His name is Kirk Nurmi. Kirk Nurmi is a very intelligent attorney. He's very methodical. He is the polar opposite of Juan Martinez. He's tall and he's huge and he's very soft-spoken. Kirk Nurmi. They, they say the word Nurmi over and over again. In it the is documentary. his name. I know, but it's one of those words that you hear and you're like, that is the weirdest sounding word. I love it. I know. It and sounds like Kermit, like Kermit. <laughs> I like Kirk Nurmi. I, I like it. I don't like much about the Jody uh-huh. Arias case. Uh-huh. I like the name Kirk Nurmi. I'll tell you what, he's kind of great. I kind of love this guy. Yeah, so he's like, girl, please, if there's one thing you do, can yeah. it be that you stop going on television? And she's yeah. like, no. Right. And that's it. That was their conversation. So he tells us about the first time he ever talked to her. And he said it was like way more like hanging out with a friend at a Starbucks than like talking to somebody about the possibility of getting the death penalty for that murder they committed. During that initial meeting, the demeanor was more casual than what a typical uh, meeting might be. I knew that I wasn't going in talking to a hardened criminal, but it was certainly more lighthearted than would be expected when somebody's life is on the line. And Jody liked chatting with him, or I think she was trying to use her uh-huh. feminine sexuality because she wanted to meet with him every single day. Yeah, daily phone calls. And then Nermi tells us, look, I was assigned to this case. It's fair to say that the demands of the area's trial were overwhelming. I must have canceled three or four weekends in Vegas because of, of having to work on the trial. Excuse me. <laughs> I'll tell you how hard I worked. I had to cancel like three to four weekends in Vegas 
because of all this work. And I'm like, three to four. Wow. All right, First Kirk, of all, live Nermi, your life. Nermi, Vegas is the fucking worst. Why are you going there so much? But also, Jody like, didn't understand what a public defender was. Right. Because she, right. like, over there, like, to her, she'd be like, he, we just kept having dates. Like, he just kept asking me to he hang out. He was super intimate. He just, like, he would always come to my place. I'm like, it was fine. Um, but she asked him to look after her cat. I know. Kind of a bizarre request to ask a court appointed attorney. And he probably did it. We don't get the answer to that in this, but oh, I bet he did it. Kirk, I hope he didn't. But even Kirk was you like. You just hate cats. No, I don't want cats to suffer. I just don't want them around me. <laughs> I'm allergic to them. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. Jesus decided. That's okay. But even Kirk was like, girl, this intruder story is bullshit. Right. <laughs> so she's like, right, 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 right. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. In June of 2010, Jody Arias abandons the whole story of the masked intruders. Never happened. Now she admits that she was at Travis Alexander's. And not only that, she did kill him. Did I say intruders? I meant domestic violence. Right. I'm sorry. I meant self-defense yeah, yeah, yeah. because of the domestic violence. Uh-huh. So now Jody starts accusing Travis of everything she can think of. Travis was abusive, sexually degrading, and a pedophile. A pedophile. A pedophile. So now, if this was a national story before, right. now she was abused, uh-huh. he's a pedophile, and she's pretty? <laughs> This is basically what Chicago the Musical was based on. I've been thinking about Roxy Hart this entire time. She's basically Roxy Hart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's January 2nd, 2013. You guys, he was murdered in 2008. The trial starts five years later, which is plenty of time for Nancy Grace to be screaming about it. <laughs> your lava. Your murder. <laughs> and so like, that's why it's a mob scene because people have been following this case for five years. Yeah. And that's why they all want to be in court. It's still so weird that they like want to be in the courtroom. And we meet all these people who are like taking vacation time and like, it's like a, an event to these people. They're planning their vacations. I know. Around being outside the courthouse. It's insane. Unless Unless you truly believe the person is innocent, there's no reason to do that. Yeah. And so we meet some of the jurors and I will say this is like never addressed, but one of the jurors says to us, I remember my first impression of walking in there and seeing Jody. Um, I thought, how could someone so young and so tiny be involved in such a a murder. Like, we never really talk about that. Like, she was this tiny little thing, and he was, like, not a little guy. Right, and so that's why the story is he was so horrible uh-huh. that she was, like, you know, the, the mom picking up the car to save her baby. You know, like, she just got the strength because he was such a monster. Totally. We also meet Bill the jury foreman, who, I don't know how he managed it, <laughs> had never heard about the case, I- <laughs> which is great. Yeah, that is true. As far as knowing about the trial, I knew nothing. Hadn't heard of anything. So from that perspective, I was the perfect, one of the perfect jurors. Well, he, just, he was probably golfing. I don't right. know. Bill. <laughs> so we start getting into the case, right? And we get Juan Martinez's opening statement. Right, the prosecutor. The prosecutor. And he's saying he's figured out the motive. The motive was revenge. In our business, our company will take us on all expense paid vacations. And uh, that year it was Cancun. He was scheduled to go to Cancun with uh, Mimi Hall. It's clear now that he's going to Cancun and she ain't going with him. So perhaps this was something that she was punishing him for. We have this information that Jody had called him and was really mad. 
sad about the fact that he was going to Cancun and not taking her. He was taking this Mimi person instead. Because right. if you remember from episode one, Mimi is like the good Mormon girl who mm-hmm. like wasn't having sex. She was like on the wife track. And just wanted to be friends. Yeah. And like that's the kind of woman he was supposed to marry. Ew. And Jody was like the sexy, sultry one that was like having sex with the him. The girl on the side. Yeah. So like we hear this over and over again. Jody was his dirty little secret. Right. And Juan says this thing in the opening statements. He's like, this is not a case of who done it. The person who done it, the person who committed this killing, sits in court today. It's the defendant, Jody Ann Arias. And the person that she done it to is an individual by the name of Travis Victor Alexander. This isn't a whodunit. <laughs> the who is Jody Arias, and the done it is the murder. <laughs> Your Columbo heart really loved that, didn't it? I did. That's why Columbo's so great, because you know who uh-huh. did it in the first 15 minutes, and then Columbo comes in and solves it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so good. So then the defense does their opening argument, and we meet this woman, Jennifer Wilmot. Co-counsel Jennifer Wilmot takes the floor. Jennifer Wilmot had to get up and try to convince the jury that there was more to the story than what they just heard. They really flesh out that, like, Jody was Travis's dirty little secret. Right. And so Jody's story is this. She was taking pictures of him in the shower. Uh-huh. Those kind of modely pictures. And they really, like, he's being sultry. Like, he's, they're both participating in the photos, just totally. to be clear. Yeah. And she dropped the camera because they were in the shower and it was wet. Right. <laughs> and according to Jody, Travis was enraged that she dropped the camera and started beating her up. And then she was so scared for her life and she killed him. Yeah. That's her story, basically. So, what would have forced Jody? It was Travis's continual abuse. And on June 4th of 2008, it had reached a point of no return. And sadly, Travis left Jody no other option but to defend herself. So, like, she's saying that he was so mad and he was coming after her and he had done this before and she knew that her life was in danger and she runs into his closet where she knew that he kept the gun and she takes the gun out and she shoots him. So that's the first part of her story. And we hear from all these, like, legal analysts, like, it's kind of risky to attack the victim, uh-huh. especially in a murder case. All of a sudden, I remember very clearly, oh, my God, they're going to put the victim on trial. So... Remember Mimi, the one that he was going to Cancun with? Mm-hmm. And the one that she was like apparently super jealous of? Mimi's on the stand. We see her. She looks nothing like the actress they hired Absolutely to play Absolutely nothing. That that part I noticed. Because yeah. I was like, wait, who is this supposed to be? Because it was an episode ago yeah, yeah. where we saw that footage. Totally. Of her packing a week in advance, please. <laughs> please. And you also, like, when you see her on the stand, she seems very much like the responsible type A type. Like, she seems like the kind of person I am inspired by. Right. You know? So she testifies. She's basically there to be a character witness for Travis. Right. So she says, look, I felt super safe with him. He was really respectful. And also, that aside, I have some information that Travis told me. Uh Uh-huh. Travis told Mimi that he had a stalker. You indicated that part of what he told you was that the stalker was a female, right? Yes. And what had this female done that he was warning you about? She had slashed his tires several times. She had broken into his email accounts, his bank accounts. She would sneak into his house through the doggy door and sleep on his couch at night without him knowing that she was there. Slashing his tires, sneaking into his house through the doggy door. To sleep on the couch? Don't talk about that. Like, that's not the craziest thing you've ever heard. Well, I have that, like, in a whole different color and a different font size. Can you imagine being Jodi Arias, crawling in through the doggy door, taking all of your clothes off and falling asleep on the couch? By the way, he has roommates. Well, the roommates we know are totally oblivious, (laughs) so that probably wasn't. Eating cereal out of Frisbee's. Absolutely. (laughs) 
And this this unnamed stalker, as of this moment, uh-huh. was hacking into his emails, his bank accounts, like yeah. just real, real crazy stalker behavior. But Travis never told Mimi her name. So now all the friends are coming up on the stand and they're just like, we know it's Jody. We knew it was Jody that slashed his tires. The thing is, she weighs 110 pounds. We weren't worried for his physical safety. Right. She was annoying. You never annoying. think that. Like, there are female stalkers and you never think of it as being an actual threat. It's not the right way to think about it. No, it's also ridiculous. If someone is slashing tires, that's like a, a, one of the steps that lead to like more violence. Yeah. And also just like hacking your bank account. Yeah. Like, just because she's tiny doesn't mean she can't like spend all your money. Like, he, just protect yourself. But you know why he wasn't doing it? You know why he wasn't calling the cops? He was enjoying having sex with her. Yes. He's like, she's fucking crazy. She's doing all this crazy stuff. She's also super hot and wants to have sex with me. Yeah, she can look at my credit card statement. What does it right. have? <laughs> Let's get to the sexing though. Yeah, like red solo cups for the freaking beer pong. Right. <laughs> Cocoa Krispies. <laughs> And like, <laughs> and so much porn, you can't believe it. Right. So then now the medical examiner comes up and is like, okay, this was not self-defense. This was a massacre. Yeah, guys, this really caught me off guard. Like I had to take my headphones off. We get back to one of the jurors in response to like looking at the crime scene photos and hearing like the evidence. This is what he has to say. This guy was really chopped up. Trying to look at the photo analytically without getting wrapped up in that's a human it was a little strange. It was hard. Oh, God. That is just a really... He wasn't thinking when he said that. No, he wasn't. He wasn't like, oh, the... he wasn't realizing that like, maybe the family's going to watch this. Or anyone would. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's something you say where it's like, I just, I would never say this out loud. Right, right, right. But like the only oh. way you can describe it. Because what the medical examiner is saying is that the science and the wounds just don't add up to her story. Uh-huh. Because there was slashing and then stabbing and then the gunshot wound and then more stabbing. Like, and it's then like just the of the throat. All of a sudden, everyone's like, wait, is she maybe not telling the truth? I mean, right. <laughs> enough. Stabbing and slicing and nearly decapitating someone and then a shot to the head? That certainly doesn't sound like self-defense. That sounds like a massacre. Remember how Jodi Arias just moved in with her grandparents for a little bit? Yeah, so that whole story from last episode where like she was living in Mesa and she and Travis broke up and she's like, I'm just going to get out of town. And she moves to Northern California. Right. So we rewind a little bit, thanks to Officer Friedman, back to May 2008. Yeah. So a very strange thing happened in Wairica, California on May 28th, 2008. The home of Carolyn Allen was burglarized. Officer Friedman was actually the police officer that responded to the burglary call. We don't know who Caroline Allen is. We're meeting her for the first time. But you know if we're meeting this person with like her full name, we're like, all right, something's up. Who's (laughs) Caroline Allen? So a couple things were stolen, including a 25 caliber gun. Yeah. Also, like the house wasn't really ransacked. Like some money, the DVD player, and the gun. Uh (laughs) Not like, usually there's like a chair knocked over or something's like rifled through to find the jewelry or something. Uh None Uh of that. So as police are interviewing the Allens, they hear something outside of cars pulled up. And the Allens say, oh, that's our granddaughter. Their granddaughter pulls up to the house. Right. Who could it be? Jody freaking Arias. So this is before the murder. The One point, week. Yeah. The point of all of this, if you remember, Juan Martinez, the prosecutor, has to prove premeditation. Right. So this gun that was stolen from Jody Arias' grandparents' house was the exact same gun that was used to kill Travis. Right. So his argument is like she staged the robbery. To get a gun because she knew she was going to murder him. Right. So this is all about proving premeditation. This is the only one of his big reveals. There's another one coming up that's crazy. Right. So now we're back to the trial. This is the second big reveal. This is the thing that 
Juan Martinez like realized this was like his smoking gun. So like right before Jody goes on the trip, she in parentheses probably stole the gun from her granddad mm-hmm. and then went to see her ex-boyfriend, this guy Daryl Brewer, the one that she broke up with to be with Travis. And this guy's like 20 years older than she is. Yeah, and even after they broke up, they like stayed friends mm-hmm. and she goes to his house to see him. This was right before she goes on the road trip. Right. Your friend Jane, Jane the crime writer. Jane Velez Mitchell, the screamer. Really wants everyone to know how handsome this guy is. <laughs> Daryl Brewer was this handsome, chiseled guy who was about two decades older than Jody. Because Daryl. She's the me. Yes. Daryl didn't want his face to be shown. I'm like, Daryl totally has a second family. Uh-huh. 100%. <laughs> and she's uh-huh. like, it's a real shame. So Americans didn't get a chance to see what a ruggedly handsome guy he was. She literally says, Americans didn't get a chance to see what a ruggedly handsome guy he was. So nice looking. When was the last time you had a date, Jane? Jane. Come on, girl. She wants to date Daryl. So, remember that road trip that she told us about where it was like she went from Northern California to Southern California? To Salt Lake City. Right. Yeah. And that was it. So this is the big road trip. So, But before that, she meets the older guy, Daryl, and he's like, here's some, like, cans of gas for you. Here's, like, the 80 million gallons of gas in cans you asked for. Right. So Juan gets up there, and he's like, Okay, here we go. Remember how a a lot of time on this road trip is unaccounted for, Jody? Right. So Juan gets up there and he's like, Jody had receipts for basically every single stop from her road trip from California to Utah. Yeah. Jody Arias has admitted. Yes, she was in Arizona. She murdered Travis for self-defense. Right. So Juan's like, interesting. Why aren't there any receipts from Arizona? Yeah. Because she didn't want to have to stop at a gas station and be on camera. Because she never planned to admit to this murder. She expected to get away with it. Exactly. So the whole idea is that the gas cans were meant so that she could get into Arizona, murder Travis, get up to Salt Lake, and have no trace of her ever having been in Arizona. She didn't have to stop for gas. She wouldn't have receipts. She wouldn't be on camera. Right. Nobody would ever know. Again, Remember, Juan has to prove premeditation. For the death penalty. And he's like, bitch, there's your premeditation right there. Exactly. She knew at the start of this trip that she was going to kill him. Well, all of us were like, whoa, this is a big deal. Wow. This was, you know, great point. That's premeditation. She's plotting the murder of Travis Alexander. It's the penultimate example of premeditation. So now, remember how they're calling like witnesses to the stand to be character witnesses for yeah. Travis? Because every time anybody from Jody's team goes up there, it's like, he was a child molester, he beat me. Right. So they call up one of Travis's ex-girlfriends, and this poor girl, she's like a good Mormon young lady. Jane Velez Mitchell really wants us to know that this girl was inexperienced. When Lisa Andrews was dating Travis, she was a teenager, very inexperienced, a virgin. So she's saying, like, she thought it was a monogamous relationship, but he was cheating because uh-huh. she wouldn't have sex with him. So he was having sex with Jody Arias. So she was testifying that he was kind of, like, sexually aggressive with her. Uh-huh. And so she emailed him saying, like, please don't talk about sex so much. Like, they weren't having these conversations in person. No, and they're reading the emails in court to this girl's horror. Line by line. <laughs> Did you talk to him about that you knew that sex was on his mind from the very beginning? Yes. Did you ask him not to talk about sex so much? Yes. He did anyway, right? Yes. Did you talk to him about that sometimes you felt that he wanted you just for your body? Um, I did say that in the email. And that your kisses didn't mean anything to him? I did say that in the email. That you felt that it was a way for him to let out some sexual tension? I did say that in the email. That he had so much of? Again, I I said that. 
And Lisa, poor Lisa goes from like, yes, I said that in the email. Like she just wants to cooperate and get uh-huh. the hell out of there uh-huh. to like, yes, as I said, I said that in the email. Because yes. every single thing is like, she didn't know that kissing used mouths. She didn't know that like. Like sometimes boys get boners. <laughs> Right. She thought that he could like control getting a boner or not. Right. We're saying the word boner. I know. We've never said that in each other's presence before. Well, guess what? I'm going to say it again. What? Because Juan gets up there during cross-examination and basically questions her about her sexual inexperience. And then he goes on and on about how Travis got a boner during a makeout <laughs> session. And basically Juan's like, how dare you get mad at that? And that, at that time, because of your inexperience, you thought that he should have controlled his penis from becoming tumescent or, or getting big just because he was kissing you. You thought that's what the problem was, right? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> and in retrospect, do you think that perhaps some of the comments that you made were a little unfair to him? Yes. The weird thing about this is that it was Jody's lawyers. She's a witness for them. Right. And she doesn't want to be. Right. So Travis's essential lawyer, the prosecutor, is trying to say to her, like, they're using this email that you wrote to show that he was aggressive. And he's saying, isn't it true that you thought he was aggressive because you were inexperienced? Right. And now that you know better, you know that he wasn't being aggressive. That was just his body reacting to your mouth. And she has to be, like, <laughs> under oath. Be I like, know. yes, I didn't know about a ball. Like, how many times do I have to say it? And this poor girl. And now she's in a documentary about it. It's just not fair. It's not fair to her. Right. So then, like, Juan rips out the crime scene photo. Do you think in your mind it is appropriate to take a knife and slash somebody's throat? And then he whips out the photo of Travis Alexander's neck pretty much decapitated. And it was a shocker. All hell broke loose. Wait, this just goes off the rails. All of a sudden, this poor girl that's like trying to be on his side, he's holding up, and these are the words from the documentary, the basically decapitated head. I know. And so the defense objects because it's irrelevant. And like, yes, Juan was trying to prove a point, but it's like, I'm sorry, she's on trial for murder. Uh-huh. I think the crime scene photos are relevant. Uh-huh. I know I know. poor Lisa's been through enough. Right, right. <laughs> I know Juan just wants to make a point, and uh-huh. he's not doing it in the best way, but to say that the crime scene photos are not relevant is ridiculous. But all of a sudden, the poor Lisa, who's just trying to do the right thing is now like completely traumatized by seeing this photo. Right. And that's how this episode ends. Yeah. That's how episode two ends. And I'm as relieved as Lisa is at this point, honestly. (laughs) Watching Lisa have to go through that was terrible. And you could see her face. She's just trying to be a good Mormon girl. Really follow the rules and be nice. But you could see she even says, yes, as I said. Yes, I said that. Yes, as I said, I did say it. I'm like, Lisa, oh my God. (laughs) Poor Lisa. All right. Part three Sex lies in audio tape. Jody Arias takes the stand. Everyone is freaking the fuck out about it. Nobody can believe that she's actually going to do it. So we see her walking across and up to the stand. It's like, wait a second, what? I remember not really processing it at first. It was really exciting. Once she got on the stand, people were like, oh my God, Jody's going to tell us the story. Uh, it's been five years of press conferences from her jail cell <laughs> and her going in front of every. Of course, she's yeah. taking the stand. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're Come right. Come on, Nancy Grace. She also comes in looking so homely, homelier than you've ever seen her. Like, where were those glasses? I know. She wears these ridiculous <laughs> glasses that, like, they're not ridiculous. It's just like yeah. she's never worn them. And like a banana clip and like a Forever 21 oversized black long sleeve t shirt. She's trying to look as frumpy as possible. <laughs> But this is when, like, we hear and see things about Travis that, I mean, talk about bombshells. It's really bad. Did 
you killed Travis Alexander on June 4th, 2008? Yes, I did. Why? Um, the simple answer is that he attacked me and I defended myself. So she says, this is how it starts, you guys, just right out of the gate. Yeah. Jody is on the stand saying that after her baptism, which is when she became a Mormon, uh-huh. he raped her, like after the ceremony. And she says, I can't say I wanted to, but I didn't stop him. Yeah. That's how she describes it. But now they're showing text messages. So up to this point, we've been led to believe that Jody Arias is just making up these lies about Travis. Right. But now we're like seeing some evidence. So Travis says in the text, You are the ultimate slut in bed. Um, sometimes he would call me that when we were having sex. Now, at first, it's like, well, some people just like kind of like sexy talk and dirty talk. And that's to me, it's just like, well, if that's what you guys are into and how you want it, like if that's how you like sexily talk to each other, fine. Then at first I'm like, what's the problem here? Right. But then we don't know who texts the, the next thing. Uh-huh. Someone. And I'm like, God, ID channel. The context here is really important. Uh-huh. But there's a quote that says. But how about. Feeling like you've been raped, but you enjoyed every delightful moment of it. Did you want to feel like you were raped? Uh, no. We are meant to assume that that was texted by Travis. Right, but the way it looks like the defense lawyer saying like, so did you say that you were feeling like you were raped? Like, I just don't know the context uh-huh. of it. It's not clear. No, and so her lawyer says like, did you want to feel raped? And she says no. So a lot of this sexy talk is very like, you know, it's very weird but it's like you'll rejoice in being a whore and, you know, your sole purpose in life is to be all mine. And uh-huh. I'm like, if you guys are both consenting to this, then who the hell am I to judge how you sexy talk? He also calls her, I don't want to say it. Can we just like have them say it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this a chat conversation we heard in evidence er- earlier where he calls you a three-hole wonder? Yes. And a slut? Yes. And a whore? Yes, and many other things. Oh, my God. And the thing is, like, she's on the stand and she looks like she feels violated by it. Right. right. So whether whether she does or not, she's definitely pulling off that she does. And then all the legal analysts were like, I think the two of them had a very unhealthy, sick relationship at times. So emotional abuse, mental abuse. Yeah, absolutely. There was clearly emotional abuse. From my perspective. Let's just call This was unhealthy no matter what it was. Totally. Because she was stalking him. Yeah. And he was using her for sex. Right. Let's really break this down. Yeah. Because like what's going on here is during the time that these texts are being exchanged, she is legitimately stalking him in a very scary way. Mm-hmm. And he hates it. But he also wants to be having sex with her. And right. also she wants to be with him romantically. And he doesn't want that. But he wants the sex. And she also is accepting the sex. Like it's very, it's very, very unhealthy what's yes. happening. Yeah. They're both using each other. Just, it's. it's It's escalating to a thing that results in murder, and it's like nobody sees that. Right. And then we get the defense saying that Jody walked in on him masturbating to child pornography. After you viewed his masturbating to an image of a young child, did you come away with the understanding that Mr. Alexander had a sexual interest in children? Yes. What we don't have is any computer files. Any evidence that that's actually true. We have a lot of text messages. We'll get some audio files in a bit, but we don't have any evidence about the child pornography. And then, you know, Jody's describing this physical abuse and he'd get enraged and beat her up and call her names. And then as they're describing this, suddenly Jane is just like, but the sex tape was the big bombshell. I was like, the what? (laughs) I know. The 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 what? what? I know. I know. They just say it like, and then so the two plus two is four and the sky is blue and there's a sex tape. And I'm like, what the? (laughs) 
but you guys, the sex tape is played live on air in the courtroom and in the documentary. It's just audio. It's not it's, video. Thank the Lord. And it's from May 10th, weeks before his death. And the judge, just a call back to OJ. <laughs> The judge is like, the parties have agreed to the admission of exhibit 428. It is an audio recording. It is important that those of you in the gallery have no reaction whatsoever. Okay, everybody. (laughs) We're all adults here. We're going to hear all the sex stuff. Nobody react. Okay. Nobody reacts to what you're about to hear because, God damn it, it's going to make us all real uncomfortable. It's really – so the thing is it's just phone sex. Like it's not that scandalous except for the fact that it's like being played in a murder trial. Right. And one of the participants is sitting in the witness stand. And Jody recorded it for yeah, whatever reason. right. So we hear this tape. They're phone sexing each other. Right. They have to bleep half of it, of course. They have to bleep So he says some stuff and at first you're like, oh, my God, that could be abusive if you don't want to hear it. Uh-huh. Like that's kind of like – like super violent. And then you hear Jody go, Oh my gosh, that is so debasing. I like it. <laughs> and then we have this whole thing where, like, again, it's just the phone sex, which people do. Sure. And then whatever. it's like Jody is having an orgasm. Mm-hmm. And the poor, I keep wanting to say poor Jody. She faked it. I <laughs> because she's sitting on the witness stand listening to herself probably faking an orgasm. Mm-hmm. And then as if, and she's like, oh, I don't need to say that. Yeah, That's, yeah. It's very much like it's that. so So creepy. Valerie Cherish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he says something where I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Travis says on the audio. So the thing about it is like, that's really fucking gross and disgusting and whatever, but it's also different from when she said that he was masturbating to like porn of little boys, I, as far as I know. And Jody giggles. She doesn't say anything. It's all like, no one ever thought this was going to be played in a court of law in a murder trial. Certainly Travis didn't. So this is where we get a little bit more of Jody telling her side of the story of what happened. Mm-hmm. So remember, like, she was taking sexy pictures of him. She dropped the camera. He freaked out. This is where we hear that, like, she then ran into the, his walk-in closet uh-huh. where she knew he kept the gun. And then he got in and she shot him. Are you trying to say they both reached for the gun? You they, can just say it. <laughs> they both, they both, they both. And she actually says that she has no memory. What do you remember? Almost nothing for a long time. It's confusing. There is like a huge gap. Like, I don't know if I blacked out or what. Let me ask you this. Do you remember stabbing Travis Alexander? I have no memory of stabbing him. Do you remember dragging him across the floor? No, I just remember trying to get away from him. This is the first time, now the story's changing again, like she blacked out during certain parts of it, she can't yeah. answer it, and I'm like, so it wasn't until later when you were washing the blood off your hands you even knew he was dead? <laughs> right. I'm saying. Oh, what? I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's a Chicago reference, you guys. Yeah. I'm not laughing because it's funny, I'm laughing because. Because I just said it so seamlessly? Yeah, exactly. Right. So then Juan's like, oh, bitch, no. So Juan Martinez is up, this trial is televised. Right. America apparently wants Juan Martinez to say everything that we as Americans watching this wish we could say. People want to see Jody Arias attacked and Juan Martinez is going to deliver. So Juan is really meant to, like, come for her. And that's what he was known for doing. Yeah. No plea bargains, like, he's going to come for her. And we kind of see that Jody Arias, like, has an answer for everything. So they say that, like, he was prepared for her and then, like, she was prepared for him. Your problems with your memory, is it a recent vintage? Define recent. I don't know, since you started testifying. 
No, it goes back further than that. How long does it, far back does it go? I don't even know if I'd call it a problem. It's kind of crazy their back and forths. And he's like, let's talk about your memory problem. And she's like, what memory problem? And right. he's like, the memory problem that you just talked about. And she's like, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Like, and then they have another moment where he's saying to her, like, you're saying the memory problem comes and goes. And she's like, I'm not even sure I'd call it a problem. Right. Oh, she's infuriating. She's infuriating. And then he says to her, like, well, when it does happen, like, what are the things that really bring it on? I mean, she doesn't skip a beat. Yeah. Um, usually when men like you are screaming at me or grilling me or someone like Travis doing the same. <gasps> I know. My thing is like okay she's got a strategy here and she's all in on it like I don't know how this is playing to the jury I can't decide like if they think that she's being a strong woman not standing for this man talking uh-huh. to her this way or if they're like what is this crazy bitch saying well then I think it's more the second one because right. then the diary comes out Jody Arias had a journal that she kept detailed it was for her eyes only and that's what it says there well I guess it's a good thing that nobody else reads this because I write right now that I love Travis Victor Alexander so completely that I don't know any other way to be. Oh my God! And all she writes about is how much she loves Travis. She didn't say anything negative, nothing like the child pornography, the abuse, nothing. And when asked why, she talks about the law of attraction, AKA the secret. You guys. In order to understand why I wouldn't talk about anything negative, it's called the law of attraction. You're not supposed to think about speak about, read about, write about, talk about negative things. Otherwise, those things will be brought into your life more. It's unbelievable. She's like, so there's this thing called like the law of attraction. <laughs> it was on Oprah's book club. And so like, if I write it, then uh-huh. it'll like come to me more. Uh-huh. So like, I didn't write it. <sighs> then we get the bent finger, shall we? Yeah. So Jody is saying like, as evidence that he beat me, I know I never told any of my friends about it. I never wrote about it in my journal, but, but as everyone's evidence, just hearing about it now, five years after right, the fact. Right. She's saying like, I have this really crooked finger from that night when he kicked my hand and my finger is like forever misshapen. And remember when Detective Flores was examining her hand uh-huh. five years ago she didn't have it then right exactly he was staring at her hand like girl what's the problem it just looks like a normal hand right and so then Juan Martinez the prosecutor pulls out this picture of her and her sister from like after she would have gotten this injury right and he's got this great gotcha moment man if he caused that damage on January 22nd 2008 that would have been before this picture that we have here five months before that right it was before that mm-hmm. Her finger's fine. And she's trying to argue. Like, you're, we, as the audience, can see her finger. There's no curvature. There's no bent In the picture. In the picture. And she's like, yeah, it's totally bent. Look at it. And he's like, but girl, it's not. And she's like, but girl, it is. And he's like, but girl, it's not. Yeah. It totally is not bent. And then it's like, the defense rests. Right. <laughs> like, that's kind of it. <laughs> so we get to closing arguments. And really, only one really important thing happens. Juan Martinez, just a showman at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah has everyone sit in silence for the exact amount of time that he claims Jody was stabbing Travis and killing him, and it's super effective. So it's two minutes. Let's just sit for two minutes. Just imagine how painful and how excruciating and the mental and emotional anguish that this person was experiencing. I was wrong. Two really important things happen because then Jody Arias's own defense lawyer oh. gets up there. This is like, as far as I'm concerned, this is as good as if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Uh-huh. He gets up there and says to the jury, like, look. It's not even about whether or not you like Jody Arias. 
Nine days out of ten, I don't like Jody Aries. Everyone laughs, including Jody. I, Jody's like, I know I'm a total nightmare, right? I know I'm such a nightmare. Because his whole point, his whole strategy is just to not have it be first degree murder. Second degree murder, manslaughter, anything that doesn't get her the death penalty is a win for him. And he wants them to look at it objectively and not like, look, I hate her too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the jury deliberates for four full days. They come back and we get the verdict. We, the jury, duly impaneled and sworn, and the above entitled action upon our oaths do find the defendant as to count one first degree murder guilty. She's guilty of first degree murder. People are cheering. And her, even her defense lawyer is like, you guys, I kind of saw it coming. I can't lie to you. I know. <laughs> Totally you did. try defending this one. I don't. <laughs> minutes. I'm talking minutes after she's found guilty. She has an interview. She's on the local news. She's on the local news. And one of our reporters says to us, like, this was before sentencing. She didn't know if she was going to live or die. She was just found guilty. How is this allowed? I don't know. How is the judge allowing it? How know. are the lawyers allowing it? How are the cops allowing it? She just know. gets a camera crew and gives an interview. It was unexpected for me, yes, because there was no premeditation on my part. I said years ago that I'd rather get death than life, and that still is true today. I believe death is the ultimate freedom, so I'd rather just have my freedom soon, as soon as I can get it. But she uses this opportunity to say, you know what? I'd rather get death than life because death is the ultimate freedom. Yeah. Get that tattooed on your lower back, Jody, enough. <laughs> so now it's sentencing. People are giving statements because the jury has to decide if she's going to get life, death. Yeah, it's a death penalty case, and I guess in Arizona, the jury decides. So Jody gets up and gives a statement. You guys. And the statement doesn't matter because at one point she's like... <laughs> Thank you. And also, just real quick before I go. Additionally, I've designed a t-shirt. This is the t-shirt. 100% of the proceeds go to support nonprofit organizations, which also assist other victims of domestic violence. I designed a t-shirt. She designed a t-shirt! No, she didn't. It's a white shirt with the word survivor on it. That's not a design. No. It's it's like Comic Sans with the word survivor on it. And again, she's in street clothes. She's wearing street clothes. She's not like in that orange jumpsuit. She's talking to the jury. It's the weirdest moment. You can't even, it's surreal. And she wants to sell the shirt. And she's like, 100% of the proceeds will go to survivors of domestic violence which is one of those things where it's like don't use a real actual cause uh-huh. to get the heat off of you right don't do that because everyone was like oh bad luck bad right. luck bad luck <laughs> so this is unbelievable and I'm watching like the time clock there's like four minutes left of this entire series I know I, I thought it was I was like shit Mike Hulu's not working it's I know. cut off <laughs> I know the jury comes back and they cannot come to a unanimous decision about the death penalty eight voted for death four voted for life when the jury can't be unanimous at the penalty phase, the judge had no choice but to declare a mistrial. Are you kidding me? We have to do this again. They have to start from the top. Five, six, seven, eight, let's go. <laughs> this was, and I'm like, there's three minutes left in this documentary. It's the same, the same legal counsel on both sides. Yeah. They, the same judge. They just have a different jury. It's a year later. Yeah. And the thing is like, they could have avoided having a new trial if they took the death penalty off right, the table. Life. And Travis's family was like, hell no. Right. So it's a new jury and the trial apparently like was not nearly as in depth because I guess she was already found guilty. They, they didn't have to establish guilt because they did that already. Right. Exactly. They just have to prove, well, one, one has to prove that she deserves the death. 
penalty. So basically. he's basically talking about how savage the murder was. Right. So the jury goes and deliberates again. The judge gets a note saying like, well, we're a hung jury again. Like we're no matter how long you keep us back here, we're not going to agree unanimously. And this time it was 11 to 1. Yeah. And it's another hung <laughs> mistrial. Another mistrial. But at this point uh, in Arizona, you only get two chances to get the death penalty. So she's only. She, I know. Jesus Christ. <laughs> how many chances do you need? You guys never do anything in Arizona. Oh my God. <laughs> so she's in jail for the rest of her natural life. So the judge finally hands down the sentence and Jody Arias gets natural life in prison without the possibility of parole. They say that she they could have given her like parole after 25 years, but nope, the judge is like, absolutely not. Yeah. You're in jail forever. Jody may have avoided the death penalty, but she will be spending the rest of her life in prison. Immediately after she was sentenced, she was taken to the Perryville Prison for Women, which is located in the Phoenix area, and her new reality is now a 12 by 7 cell. That is where she'll be spending the rest of her life. Yeah, and then, like, news came out recently that she might be able to appeal. They're saying that there was maybe some prosecutorial misconduct on the part of Juan Martinez. Or something. So she might get a new trial? Garbage! Is, is Juan Martinez a murderer? <laughs> is Jody Arias a murderer? Yeah. Girl, we did it! We, we did it. People have been asking us to cover Jody Arias forever. Well, guess what? We did. We did it! There you go. You guys, don't forget on the Patreon, if you sign up at the $5 level right this second, you get about 100 full bonus episodes to binge immediately. Yes. We're talking our episode-by-episode episode serial. The, the Jinx. The Jinx, The Staircase, Making a Murderer. Uh, Lorena. Casey Anthony. OJ. OJ, we just started. Lacey Peterson. Yes. Which is bonkers, and I'm telling you, it's making me see things differently. <sighs> I know, it's really crazy. Also, there's ad-free episodes. There's the after party. Yeah. So much stuff. There's a lot. A lot of options. Yeah. Check out the pates. Girl, what are we doing next? We're going to the sports. Oh, it's the sports and the outside. It's so weird, but I'm, I'm really excited. It's called Screwball, and it's about the doping scandal in, in baseball. But you guys, in this one, they get little kids to do the reenactments of the grown-ups. Oh, yeah, because the doctors were all, like, faking it. So it's like, you might as well have had a six-year-old writing the prescription right. for whatever you needed. <laughs> so we learned that all from the trailer. So it's going to be pretty I, fun. I can't believe I'm excited to do a thing about the sports. Yeah, and also, like finally someone wearing an oversized suit that's actually a little kid wearing an oversized suit because totally. it happens a lot in these documentaries so I'm excited to see it for And real. the baseball has like a seventh inning intermission, right? Yes. Yeah. A stretch. Great. So you guys stay tuned for the trailer for Screwball and our hilarious outtakes. Damn, 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 damn. Girl, where can they find us? TrueCrimeObsessed.com for all of your true crime obsessed needs. We're talking merch, promo codes, yeah. episodes, links to the pates. There's videos of our live shows on there. Yeah. Like, you know, just like little snippets. Yeah. Um, Where can they find you? At Jillian with a G on all the things. Where can they find me? At Patrick Hines <laughs> underscore on Instagram and at Patrick Hines on Twitter. You nailed it. Thanks. Uh, you guys, we love you so much. We love you. Thanks for hanging. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. There's a saying, never meet your heroes because they'll break your heart. From the moment I remember, I wanted to be a baseball player. It was the American dream. I got kicked off the team for smoking weed. It was a disaster. My plan was go into medicine. The Belize School of Medical and Performing Arts. What is Florida about? It's about vanity and sex. It was a perfect place for the anti-aging movement. Especially down here in Miami, everyone wants things now, now, now. There's almost no regulations. You'd have people who pretended to be doctors given all types of medical advice. He had a white lab coat that said Dr. Tony Bosch. He had a stethoscope around his neck. Yeah, I assumed he was a doctor. Manny was the first VIP client. Within weeks, his focus was much better. He felt a lot quicker. This guy says, yeah, my cousin's in the Yankees. 
It was A-Rod. He says, I want whatever man he was taking. I had a true believer right away. You know, seven days after he started my program, he went ahead and in one game, he hit three home runs. And he said, I'll give you an extra 150 grand a year if you give me an exclusivity. I said, for 200, you got a deal. Listen, each home run costs money. At this time, Biogenesis had close to 300 athletes. We were consuming so much product, I had to go to the black market. Okay, I just stumbled across some kind of steroid ring. I didn't think I was gonna get caught. I was busy going to parties. My cocaine bill was $6,000 a month. The biggest steroid scandal in sports history exploded over $4,000. Look, if I don't get my money, I'll blow this whole thing up. It was just an absolute clown show. Get rid of steroids now. This is my whole life, my legacy. You tell me why I should serve one inning. Tony Bosch is not a doctor. Tony Bosch is a drug dealer. Coke addict, bad son, bad father, bad brother, bad everything. What can you tell us about that? No comment. He's lucky he's not in the canal anywhere. This guy's connected. A lot of people involved. Don't do this. You're going to get killed. So I got my nine millimeter. For every sleazy thing Major League Baseball did in trying to pay witnesses, threatening people to cooperate, A-Rod and his crew were doing almost the exact same thing. He pretty much can forget the Hall of Fame. It was almost like, hey, Mom, I made it to the big leagues, but in a different way, you know? <laughs> you can't make this up. So bad, because you know there's that whole second when you know you're going down, and no. there's nothing you can. Have you never fallen in the shower? No. I just lost my footing, and I was like, and I grabbed the curtain, and we, the, I just tumbled straight out. Listeners, I'm not, I'm not gonna like <laughs> bullshit with the concern because I know how the story ends because I asked you about it, so you're okay. Yeah. But I remember asking you, like, did the entire shower rod fall down? And you were like, no, because it were Velcro or something. Yeah, so just it was the, like the curtain ripped the off. The curtain was buttoned in a way. Which means that this happens often. <laughs> if now hotels are making it so that just the curtain goes down with you and not the fixtures. But we last left Casey. Oh, oh what? I said Casey. Like, oh, I know. Anthony. Casey Anthony's on my brain now, too. Are we not going to talk about the episode of Thirty Rock with Abby, the like the baby the baby doll comedian that they're forced oh, to hire? Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to give the gentleman what he wants? Uh, don't call them stupid. They're great and they're patriots, and I'm their lawyer. All right, Ainsley. Okay. Casey, Casey Anthony. Anthony, remember we screamed about that one for four oh, episodes. That bitch. <laughs> Uh, you don't like her. I don't. Did you read in the paper that- <laughs> Let me tell you why. <laughs> She's talking about how her biological clock is ticking again. Don't- I know. Even I know. <laughs> try to do the My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> that is Marissa Tomei and Marissa Tomei only. You my know, biological clock is ticking like this. She's pretty sure she won the goddamn Oscar for it. My friend Ellen, our friend Ellen, yeah, is yeah. doing a Broadway show with Marissa Tomei right now. We're going to talk about it at the after party. Shut yeah, she's working with her as we speak this very moment. I love Marissa Tomei. I know, me too. Um, I want that to be the name of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> but then, James. Though she be but slender, she is fabulous. There you go. 